This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join me on today. And as always, a very special welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. We are currently in a series where we're talking about emotional intelligence and UX, helping people to understand what emotional intelligence is and talking about how it impacts the discipline of UX for practitioners, how it impacts us across the board, our relationships with stakeholders, relationships with clients, what we can do to help overcome some of the challenges that come at us from a UX perspective or as we're operating as UX professionals. It's really, really important, something that I have come to know and see over the course of my career. I shared some stories with you on last week and we're going to have some additional discussions with some other UXers. I need to delay that one more week. So we'll, we'll air that, that one session next week, a very special session that we had with, with Eric, Eric and Michelle. Uh, I think folks will, will get a treat out of hearing that and hearing some additional perspectives, but I pushed it back one more week because you know what? We're just not done with this EQ red flag thing. As I was preparing, I just, there were additional red flags that I did not present in my original talk on emotional intelligence and UX. There were some other things that just came to light. And I thought it was really important to call these things out because people experience these things. They don't know how to counter them. They don't know how to manage them. They don't know how to manage themselves. And so, again, I told some stories last week that I thought would be really, really helpful. And uh, I've already heard from people about that. And really, really important. Some some really critical things that we need to know. Uh, and as I mentioned this before. I know people that have walked away from the discipline. I know people that have taken time out from the discipline. And, yes, we have, we have a bunch of other things that we want to cover. But for right now... I want to make sure that we do this topic justice and I don't want to time box myself the way I normally do. So I want to make sure that I'm giving you as much as I can and taint as much of a picture as I can to make sure that I'm communicating as effectively as possible. What an EQ thing to do, right? So we're going to call this the EQ red flag bonus round. How about that? And I'm going to share some additional red flags and in hopes of, again, bringing more color and more understanding. So let's go ahead and dive in because we've got a lot to cover again on today. Red flag bonus round item number one, just general hating on people. You want to shorthand it, just say hating. It, it's we, we have a, a, a term that's used 
pretty much around the world where they'll just say that somebody is hating on someone. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of overlap, but I think that we're, we're going to specify these in a way that it deserves a little bit of differentiation between maybe some of the cousins of some things I'm going to mention on today. Because when you think about inferiority complexes and you think about the concept of hating on someone, it's usually because of an inferiority complex. It's usually because of jealousy. Somebody sees what someone is doing. They see what someone has accomplished. They see someone's good fortune and, and they just are upset because somebody else is experiencing something in a good light. And then they just hate on someone. Anytime somebody is hating on someone, it is critical for us to recognize it. And, and you know, let me back up. It's critical that we do not hate someone. Number one, don't hate on someone because they've done something well. Don't hate on someone because they've accomplished something. Don't hate on someone because they got something that you did not. And then beyond that, if we see somebody else hating on someone, then now we're in a position where we need to manage what's going on with that situation as it pertains to us or our team. And then again, just the practice at large. Because anytime somebody in the UX world hates on someone else, and that, that's when things are getting personal, someone is personally has an issue with another individual and their good fortune or their success or whatever it might be, that does boomerang back and, and it will eventually affect that person, yes. But it also is going to impact the discipline. Because anytime we don't celebrate someone that we should be honoring or celebrate somebody when we should be be happy about it, there's no way that you're going to truly, even if some people put on fronts, and they do, there's no way that a person who hates on another is truly going to represent that individual and what they're doing properly. And there's a risk of, of detrimentally impacting a UX bystander, be it another UXer, a, a stakeholder, a client, or someone of that sort. So it's critical that we understand when somebody is hating on someone else that we recognize it and make sure that we don't hate on someone else in the process. Let's move on to the next one. The next one, uh, a little bit of overlap again with this one that I'm going to mention. That, matter of fact, it reminds me of detrimental ambition. Uh, but the next one is something, I'm going to give you two terms for this one. The term that I have in my list is posturing, where somebody is trying to present themselves as being better or sharper. They're going out of their way. They're laboring to make sure that other people perceive them as being better or sharper or more skilled than someone else, usually because they the inferiority complex is coming into play there. The detrimental ambition comes into play with this one. Jealousy comes into play with this one. It's, it's almost like an act of trolling in a sense and in a milder form. So again, overlap with a lot of the other EQ red flags. But when somebody postures, they will do something to try to convince people First off, they're offended that somebody else knows something. And sometimes it's not necessarily that the person, it's thought that that person knows more than the person who's suffering from this EQ red flag. They just sometimes just don't like the fact that the other person knows something. 
So they will always labor to do any little thing at any point in time to affect the perceptions of others, or even if it's only in their own mind (laughs) that they're affecting the perception of others, uh, making sure that people see them as being the superior individual. So the the other terms that come to play when I think of this are one upsmanship. Uh, People will do things uh, to to try to give them the leg up or the perceived leg up. There's another term that comes into play with that, and it's preeminence. When somebody wants to be preeminent, all of these things are related to posturing. Uh, I go through this a lot. I'm going to give you a few examples here and there because, okay, I have, this, these are just facts. I have two UX-related master's degrees. And a lot of times, sometimes because people are angry because I'm African-American, or I appear to be of African-American descent, because I'm not 100% African-American, just in case you were curious about that, why I would even say that, but just to make a point. But people are offended by that. They're offended that, who does this guy think he is? And and they'll refer to me as the uppity Negro. Uh, it, it just flat out, they they will say that because of the things I say and do. And in their mind, somebody who's of my racial background, someone of my racial heritage is not supposed to know these things. And I'm surely not supposed to know more than they do. And so they will actually come against me. And I have experienced posturing and one upsmanship. And and when you're in this position, when you, when you get discriminated against a lot, I've talked to a lot of my female UX counterparts that talk about they, how they experience these things. When you get used to seeing it, when you get used to experiencing, experiencing it, when it happens a lot, you get pretty good at recognizing when it's happening. Now, I'm not talking about when you're, you become paranoid and you think everything is it. You can actually tell when certain things are going on. And I might as well throw another EQ red flag in here. Paranoia. I mean, we talked about fear being one of them. When, but when some people think that everything that's happening is because somebody's against them, that, that, that's an EQ red flag. Somebody might have a legitimate reason for having an issue. If somebody has a legitimate reason, then own up to it. Self-awareness. Yep, I'm guilty of that. I'm going to get better at that. Thank you for pointing that out. And you move on. But again, I've had people who come at me just because I'm of African-American descent. Let's reach right there. So they will complain. They will do things even if they make them up. And, And most specifically, there are people, just throw the race thing out for a moment. There are people that are interested in making me look like I don't know something because they don't have the degrees that I have. And in their mind, they want to paint this picture that if they can make Darren look bad or if they can make Darren look wrong, then see, you don't have to have all those degrees. I don't have the same degrees that he has. And look at what I can do. I've seen people do that. I've been subjected to that. And all it is, and I see it, I recognize it. People are going out of their way to make things look a particular way. Yeah, congrats. I hope you feel better. I hope you feel better about yourself. Hope you feel like a bigger person because you know what? It doesn't really matter. None of that matters. But it's all about posturing with people like this. It's all about the preeminent factor. Uh, It's all about the narcissistic 
element kicking in and being narcissistic is a, that's an EQ red flag where it's got to be them. The attention has got to be on them. The credit has to be given to them. It's just really interesting. And somebody is thinking, you know, Darren, I'm listening to you for the first time. What in the world does this have to do with UX? Keep hanging around. How long? Ask yourself, how long have you been doing UX? And when you, if you haven't been around that long, you may or may not have seen it. You may or may not have experienced it. I'm trying to help equip up and coming UXers and remind some of us who've been around for a while and, and people who've been around for a while, they're all saying, yep, been there, seen that, know that. Thank you for talking about this. But some of the more entitled people and frankly, some of the perps, they don't like me talking about this because it takes away their cloak. It takes away their ability to do these things and get away with it. Uh, I'm going to hold those people accountable today. And that's one of the indirect things that's happening via this. So one upsmanship, you don't want to be doing that. If somebody did something and it's good, celebrate it. If they're on your team, great. Somebody on my team just hit a home run. That means that the, the team scored. And that means that this is good. It doesn't have to be me. I couldn't care less about things of that nature. It's the, the civil things that, that happen when that's a problem or when somebody engages in plagiarism, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well. But posturing is really big. It's a really huge problem in UX. I've seen it. I've been subjected to it. I've seen other people be subjected to it. And when I have an opportunity, I shoot it down. And I hold people responsible. I hold people accountable. So if anybody, I've, I've experienced that as well, where people think, oh, well, you think it happened to you, so you think it happened to everybody? I've literally had somebody come at me with that. I defend somebody regardless of whether something is happening to me or not. I hold people accountable. That's the EQ thing to do. I'm about the discipline. I'm not about Darren Hood. I'm about the discipline. I'm not trying to be a celebrity. I'm about the discipline. I'm, I'm not trying to, to get everybody to think the way that I think. I'm about trying to make sure that the discipline is represented properly. And most notably in association with this topic, I'm trying to equip people so they can stand because emotional intelligence and situations reflective of these red flags, as said, are giving people these what in the world are going on moments and they're they're at a loss because a lot of people are just talking about how to do the work and that's fine but this stuff is going on too and so if somebody can't they, they see this and they can't reconcile it then there will eventually be a problem and that hurts the discipline so i want people i don't want people to be overcome and, and, and just overwhelmed by the way that they feel. I want people to understand somebody else out here knows how you feel, and this is how you can help to counter those things so you can be better. So anyway, pause for the cause because I know that somebody out there is thinking something on those lines, and I want to respond to that. Next one up, gaslighting. Speaking of those, those things I just brought up there a moment ago, gaslighting. Folks, when it comes to UX today, there's gaslighting in hiring. There's gaslighting in how people are managing other folks. There's gaslighting in team infighting today. There's gaslighting in UX education today. All of these people who are doing these, what we like to jokingly refer to as a Jedi mind trick, and say something and you're supposed to believe it just because they said it, 
or just because they declared it. I mean, we're going to have a whole a whole series of uh, of episodes that talk about these things where we're going to be talking about the dysfunction in UX hiring today. I, we've already talked about it a little bit, but I think we need to dedicate a little more time to it because it's happening at epidemic levels today and people are doing things and they're getting away with it. It's important for those of us, if you are looking for a UX job, if you're looking to transition into UX, if you're already in a UX job and you're looking to get into another one, you've seen it. You see, you see the gaslighting, and when, when you get the thanks but no thanks email that says we're where we've decided to go with other candidates that are better aligned with our position than you, and then you end up finding out who got hired later, and and that was I, I knew it when I saw it. Other people know it when they see it. Uh, it's just a standard thing that they say because they don't know what else to say, and they're just trying to. <laughs> to just uh, distance themselves from from that situation, but when people hire the wrong folks, it hurts the discipline. So yes, I, I do care a lot. But gaslighting is really bad. It, it's it's to be disingenuous in how we represent other people, to be disingenuous with how we represent the discipline, to to try to manage people by using tactics that are psychological and that are. Uh, manipulative. That's really what gaslighting is. It's it's an act of manipulation. These things do not help the discipline at all. And we need to recognize it again, make sure you're not a part of it. Then make sure that you recognize it and then make sure that you manage it as best you can. Next cattiness. And some people might say, well, what in the world is cattiness and cattiness in general has to do with people who are, uh, one word would be variant. Uh, people who just, it's always something with them. People who are argumentative, people who like to scratch and claw at one another, people who are not peaceable in their in their uh, interpersonal uh, skills, so to speak. Their, so we think of emotional intelligence. When you are emotionally intelligent, you're better at your interpersonal communication and your interpersonal relationships. Uh, some people are just catty. They just, they just like to fight. They like to pick fights. They like to go at other people and they're not happy unless they are doing such a thing. So cattiness, when we, it don't be it, when you make sure you recognize it and make sure that you manage it. Same thing on, on everything. Next up we have, I, I sort of alluded to this a little bit ago, uh, but we finally reached this on the list and I call it pseudo plagiarism. And Plagiarism is when you basically are, you've done something or you've taken someone else's ideas or thoughts and you've taken them and presented them as your own without giving attribution to the source. Um, the reason that I, I'm calling out pseudo plagiarism is that it's not quite as cut and dry as textbook plagiarism. Uh, pseudo plagiarism happens when people misrepresent someone else. It, it, it's akin to gaslighting a little bit, but it's that a person has done something. Person A has done something, be a little bit more clear. Person A has done something that benefits person B. Person B is communicating with persons C, D, and E. And when person B communicates with persons C, D, and E, that person will not tell person C, D, and E what person A did to enhance their situation, to enhance their status, to help to move them along. 
it's like they basically render the person that benefited them invisible. Hence, I tend to call it the invisibility treatment. It's like the person doesn't exist. It's like a failure to acknowledge or a refusal to acknowledge what somebody else has done. And so when that person is telling someone about all the things that are going on with them and what they've done, it never includes any mention of the actual source. (laughs) Hence the term pseudo plagiarism. It, it, It never mentions where they found out about X, Y, and Z. It never mentions how they were able to accomplish certain things. It never mentioned how they got started going down a particular road. So again, pseudo plagiarism, it's actually an act of misrepresentation, but you never want, when somebody has contributed to where you are, you don't want to render that person invisible and act like that you just have all of this great uh, initiative or things of that nature. And you could have the initiative, but but still, you want, you don't want to be in a position where you are failing to attribute someone else's effort, contribution, or, or, or support for you because now other people have no idea that that person did that and it is going to detrimentally impact that person's perception or other people's perception of that person. And then it also lifts you up. A little bit that you being not you, but the the guilty parties, if it's you, then get over it. But these are things that are critical and it is another sign of an EQ deficiency, hence EQ red flag. So beware of pseudo plagiarism today. I have also, next one up, been a victim of and have witnessed people who have been subjected to bullying and intimidation. Wow. (laughs) I don't think any kids are listening to this podcast. I do believe everybody who listens to this, at least for the most part, there might be some younger people that are listening, but I think we all have pretty much a memory of bullying. Some people were bullies. Some people were bullied. Some people just witnessed the whole thing. Uh, And then there's this, this mindset that that stuff ends when you get out of school. Bullying still takes place in the working world. It still takes place on the job. And I have seen bullying take place in the world of UX. And and it's really sad where people try to force people to think a certain way or they try to force people to, to behave a certain way, or they try to force people to support or not to support somebody else. This bullying is just absolutely ridiculous. And it happens in very subtle ways these days. I'll tell you a little story about myself. Once I walked into an event one day, uh, it was a UX meetup event. I walk into the event and There were a group of like seven or eight people. I may have even said this once on this series, but I'm going to tell it again. Anyway, I walk in and a group of about six or seven people turned around and saw me enter the room and they immediately, their whole visage changed. Their facial expressions all became very hostile. One of the people and I joke sometime about that movie, The Purge. If The Purge was legal at that moment, I would have been dead. 
That is, and, and I don't know, I just arrived at the event. I make it a point to not mistreat anybody. I will not disrespect anybody. And even people that I'm critical of, I leave them room to change. You know, I'm talking about standards. I'm not talking about people. I couldn't care less. It's always about the, the, the what and not the who with me, you, just in case you never realize that. So some people, you got to give them an opportunity to change, just like many of us have made mistakes in the past and we needed room to change and we changed and, and happy about that. But I walked in this room and the, the, the thing about it is that of those people who turned around and were looking at me like that, only one of them knew me. So if only one of them knew me at all, but everybody else, especially one in particular, wanted me dead at the moment, but none of them knew me, the only way that they would all have this extremely hostile frame of mind toward me was because they had been gaslit. Yes, there's overlap there. They had been gaslit by someone else, had been, there's been some slander involved in some way, form, or fashion. And all of a sudden, these people who don't know me from Adam, as some of us like to say, uh, have this hostile uh, mindset. And so they don't realize that they were bullied. I eventually found out everything that was going on in that setting, and I found out who the source was. And they were basically bullied into believing, even though it was passive, because all bullying is not in your face. It was a very, very passive way of getting it done or getting the person's point across and trying to influence people, but they basically were all bullied. They were bullied, and they were not going to be accepted by that individual unless they had joined forces with the other person to fight against me. Uh, you know, for what it's worth today, uh, and, and some people will still say, I don't care about that. Then you're just piling on, and that's an EQ red flag as, as well, it's really sad that people, we're adults, and it's really sad the volume of childish behavior that's at work in the world of UX. And and I'm calling it out. It's We need to do something about that for the good of the discipline. There is no reason for anybody to be bullied, whether it's passive or whether it's very direct. Nobody should be engaged in bullying Nobody should be, intimidation is part of it, My on my list. Uh, again, it does say bullying and intimidation, and, and nobody should be subjected to intimidation. Nobody should, should be, when you're doing the actual UX work, you shouldn't feel collared into, when we're dealing with clients and stakeholders, clients and stakeholders will try to bully and intimidate you. And, and as sound ethical UX practitioners, we're not supposed to be order takers. When somebody tries to bully us into following a particular design mode or to execute certain things, if we have just cause to believe that that should not be the way to go, we cannot allow ourselves to be bullied. I didn't allow myself to be bullied by those people. When I walked in there, I spoke to everybody. I was cordial and I went on and did whatever I needed to do in that setting. And when we're doing the work, if we're being bullied, if we're being intimidated, we just need to go forward and not allow these things to influence us in any way, form or fashion. And if someone is trying to, to get us to do a particular thing or to ostracize or out somebody 
and, and being offered our 30 pieces of silver, so to speak, some little reward in conjunction with that, turn those rewards down. Don't play that. I don't care what anybody says about anybody else. I'm just telling you <laughs> for me, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I know of situations in the world of UX where there are some people who do some really scandalous things and they have really great reputations in the U.S. community, but they're actually very scandalous individuals. And I know people who know these scandalous people and we would have conversations and people would talk about what the scandalous person is doing. And I still wanted to give the scandalous person a chance. There was no risk in, in doing that, not, not as it pertained to me. I was not going to risk suffering any harm because I continued to expose myself to the individual or to interact with the individual, things of that nature. So I wasn't, and, and not that the person was, was bullying or intimidating. I'm trying to illustrate that we cannot allow our dynamics, our interpersonal dynamics to follow whether intentional or not. We cannot allow our interpersonal dynamics to follow the mode of operation that, that took place when we were in the fifth grade. You can't dislike somebody because somebody else dislikes somebody. You can't separate yourself from somebody because somebody else separated themselves from somebody. So folks have to make their own decisions. I, I made my own decision. I wait. And it wasn't until that scandalous person crossed the line that I decided to pull back. Now, I have my own story to tell, but I'm not telling your story that was stamped upon me uh, and that I need to comply with that story because it's your story. I didn't have one. So until I had my own story, then I, I stood my ground. I did the EQ thing to do under those circumstances. And then when someone deserved to be, <laughs> deserved the separation, then that's the direction that we went. But I'm not going to do it just because people I know or hold in regard are doing it. And I respect everybody in, in the midst of that. So again, just the EQ thing to do. And yes, those relationships, all those dynamics, they all I know that they impact the discipline, so I want to hold them to the highest standard that I possibly can. Next, yes, some people, and this is on the line of bullying and intimidation, so there's overlap there. You have people that are just downright controlling, just downright controlling. And, and then this list, and this is my list. I didn't get this from anywhere else. I, I wrote this list. This is a list I devised in conjunction with being controlling I also refer to this as being anti-diverse. Now, what do I mean when I say controlling and anti-diverse? There are people that will, they are just, <laughs> they are just determined to control how other people think, how other people operate, how other people do things, the angle at which they approach things. And, and these people are being anti-diverse. Everybody doesn't work like the, like the next person. If 10 of us are in a room having a discussion about UX, we could all have the same amount of experience. We could have differing levels of experience. It doesn't matter. And, and actually, the, the, the same amount of experience gives the better example in this case. If we all have the same amount of experience, but we all work differently, that's another aspect of diversity. It's a type of diversity that people don't really see. They don't really consider. I've got 26 years. I know other people that have 26 to 30 years. We don't all operate the same way. 
We don't all think the same way. So when we come together, though, it's really beautiful to see the types of things that come forth that one person would not have thought about. And then another person on the other side of the room hadn't really thought about it that way. We're always, when we respect diversity, and it's the diversity of minds. This has nothing to do with nationality, has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with skin color, which is where diversity always ends up going down all these other roads. And for some reason, the mind gets eliminated from the conversation of diversity. Diverse minds are, are what help to drive innovation. Diverse minds are what help to vault us from one level to another. And so we need to celebrate the different angles and the different thoughts and the different processes that everybody is coming from in order to take the discipline forward and in order to take us forward as individuals as well, because I am where I am today because I considered somebody else's perspectives at some point in time. Without those varying perspectives, Darren Hood would not be the Darren Hood that you hear today. I know that, I recognize that, I celebrate that. And, and I'm encouraging other people to do the same. It's just the EQ thing to do. Next up, we have what I call subjective invalidation. This is a gross, 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 gross EQ red flag. And, and this came from an experience that we had on LinkedIn where I made a statement and the statement that I made I won't get into what the statement was, but the statement that I made was based on 20 years of observation and experience, 20 plus years of observation and experience. Somebody came along and they said, wow, is this an opinion? Because I don't agree. And they literally said, because I have never experienced it. The person wanted to dismiss what was said just because they didn't experience it. And when I went and looked up the person's profile, the person had been operating in the UX world, my memory serves me correctly, somewhere around five or six years. If I've been around for 26 years and you've been around for five or six, and I have worked all the way from some startups and small businesses all the way up to Fortune 50, and I talk to people all over the world, so the perspectives that I bring are not just mine. My perspectives are influenced by the masses. I have learned from other people everywhere. And as a PhD student, and it was already a standard mode of operation for me, if you can't prove it and you don't know it, don't say it. So when someone comes along and then wants to dismiss what I'm saying, and the person, again, actually said it because they had never seen it. They had never experienced it before, so therefore it is not valid. That is what I refer to as subjective invalidation. The mere fact that, that we didn't experience something doesn't mean that it's not real. I have never been to space. So am I then to say that nobody's going to space because I haven't been to space? I've never been spelunking before. Anybody ever been spelunking, go diving into caves? I've seen pictures of people doing it, but I know that it's a thing because I've read about it. I've seen videos and things of that nature, but I haven't experienced it. Not, not firsthand. I experienced it through the pictures and the videos and things like that. But, you know, a crude example maybe. But I think you get my drift. If you haven't experienced anything, 
that doesn't give you a right to dismiss someone else. It's also an act of arrogance, of, of, of sheer and utter arrogance to do something like that. So you never want to be guilty of subjective invalidation. If somebody, if it's their experience and this is what happened to them, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I, I refer to it as putting it in your hip pocket and deal with it later. But don't invalidate it just because you hadn't experienced it. That's really, that's really quite ridiculous, frankly. Next up, we have a, this one I did not create. I just decided to include it in the list. Or I, when I say create, I didn't, I didn't pin it. Uh, talking about plagiarism. Um, Ikea effect bias. This is a known bias in the world of psychology. And it involves people, it's called Ikea effect for a reason, where anybody, they because they built it, because they contributed to it, because they had something to do with it, they're more likely to endorse it, to, to support it, things of that nature. That's Ikea effect bias. I built it, therefore it is good. I contributed to it, therefore it is good. Uh, I was a part of that. I was the person who approved it, so therefore it is good. All these things are Ikea effect bias related. And so we don't want to be in a position, it's an EQ red flag when you are approving things because your handiwork is a part of it. Uh, other people can do good things too. And not only that, just because you did it doesn't make it good. Just because I did it doesn't make it good. So we want to make sure that we're void of that and that we're being more objective instead of being subjective. So those two are, are related. Next on the list, we have people who feign helplessness. People who act like they are in a helpless situation when really they have total control over the situation and, and are just trying to campaign for pity or trying to play like they're weak to usually to manipulate people. Uh, matter of fact, and some people are really going to hate this, but the people who claim to be suffering from imposter syndrome, this is probably the most popular feigned helplessness. Uh, somebody say, okay, Darren, I'm going to stop you right there. This is ridiculous. Darren, there are times I do feel like an imposter. Listen to me carefully. I didn't say that there are times that people don't feel like they're imposters. Never said that. Uh, matter of fact, I if you look on my my blog post on Medium, I speak about that in more detail. When, when people are going through what they call imposter syndrome, they're usually going through some type of a growing pain and the, or they're usually going through some type of self-doubt. People did not say that they were imposters. The, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who say that they feel like they're imposters usually don't say that unless they have heard about imposter syndrome and then they are actually showing, uh, demonstrating anchoring bias in a sense or, or just, again, feigned helplessness. They latch on to the term instead of describing what's really going on. If, if you feel like you you, you uh, really, I'm not up to this, I'm not, man, am I really qualified? Things of that nature. People go through that. That's life. And, this, and, and that feeling has been around for eons. 
It didn't just come along when a couple ladies decided that, that to come up with something to put a name on something that they felt that they were that they were experiencing instead of holding the men that were discriminating against them accountable for that discrimination. If they had done that, none of us would have ever heard about uh, imposter syndrome, or at least not through those two ladies that it went through. So, but the thing is that again, if you feel that way, you feel that way. The surefire way to overcome it is to make sure that you're qualified and to labor. The people who feign helplessness, they're not interested in getting better. They're not interested in getting qualified. They're not interested in, interested in building confidence. They like helplessness, and they like the attention that it gets. And when they when they operate in this helpless mindset, they don't have to deliver because, after all, they're helpless. So, you know, don't, don't put on fronts. Don't play games. It means that there's a lack of EQ. You're lacking the self-awareness. You're not being accountable for where you are. And you're not doing what it really takes to get better at your craft. So that's what you notice. Those are the people. If you really feel like you're an imposter, spend some time reading some resources like what I did when I did my research about it. It'll make you get up. If, you, if you're going to take responsibility for who you are, you're not going to just sit there and claim to be an imposter, you're going to do everything you can to make sure you're not an imposter. But some people love pitching a tent in the land of imposters because they know that, at least in their mind, they're not going to be accountable for anything. And that those people are putting on a front and they are a detriment to the discipline and to themselves. So that's not the EQ thing to do, folks. Let's rise above that. And the last one for this EQ red flag bonus round the isms. <laughs> That's right. Anytime somebody is operating in the isms, you have a major set of EQ red flags. Racism, sexism, cronyism, ageism. I'm, I'm even forgetting <laughs> some right now, but I'll just stick with those four. For now, anytime that someone downplays someone or fails to respect or engage and race is the base of that, of, the, of that uh, incivility, then you've got a racist situation. Anytime that somebody is downplaying another individual because they are of another gender or just because they're of another gender, or because of their sexual orientation, then you've got a, 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 a sexist situation. And, and that is not uh, something that always goes in the direction that you think. I've been discriminated against by people because I was not homosexual. So it, it goes different ways. Uh, so that's still an ism, folks. I want to make sure to throw that in there. There's cronyism. You only want to hire people because you know them. You want you only want you're only comfortable with people that are friends. That that's a sign of weakness, folks. It's a sign of weakness if you can only deal with people that you know. We need to expand beyond those horizons. Uh, the ageism, whether you're discriminating against somebody because they're young, and now younger people are discriminating against folks because they're older. But a lot this ageism thing is all over the place, and there are people who just they just, whatever's, whoever's not in my age group, I'm going to discriminate. That's the way that people operate when they're operating in, in ageism. So the isms are all 
really, really terrible situations and manifestations proof that there is an EQ problem in any given situation. So again, as I keep saying, identify it. Don't be a part of it. Make sure that when you identify it or be good at identifying it, I should say, and when you do identify it, make sure that you manage it. All of these EQ red flags from the bonus round on today, folks. These things are critical. There's a whole lot more than the ones that I've already mentioned, but these are things that we face as we operate in the midst of our our UX practice as individuals and with our teams, uh, in our companies, things of that nature, whether you're a leader or, or you're a support person within that UX group. We have to deal with all of these EQ red flags if we want to excel at what we do. I keep saying it and I say it again. UX is about much more than just the work. And if we focus just on the work, then these things are the things that end up short-circuiting our operation and put us in compromising positions and leave us powerless. So let's take that power back by becoming emotionally intelligent, work to build up your EQ and yourself and everybody and everything you touch benefits from that advancement. So that's all the time that we have for today, folks. And we'll, we'll share those, uh, the conversation, uh, with Eric and Michelle next week. So <laughs> thanks for your patience as we get that out. And thanks for, for dealing with it. This is not easy stuff to listen to. Some people are not ready for this type of really candid, uh, type of discussion, but, but it's needed. It, it's really, really important. And, and I, so I hope that, that folks appreciate it. But that's all the time we have for today, folks. Until next time, this is the host of the World of UX, Darren Hood, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.